0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا داود إنا جعلناك خليفة في الأرض فاحكم بين الناس بالحق ولا تتبع الهوى ولا تتبع الهوى فيضلك عن سبيل الله (laughs) إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَضِلُّونَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ بِمَا نَسُوا يَوْمَ الْحِسَابِ صَدَقُ اللَّهُ عَضُمُ Yesterday we discussed the two very important elements, ingredients, that if they are present, then it is very easy to overcome any dispute resolve any dispute, in fact if these aspects are present, then most disputes won't even happen, especially minor trivial things won't even happen. But if something did happen, then these aspects which were discussed yesterday, the aspect of tawazu, humility, and the aspect of isar, giving preference to others over oneself, both which are very great and noble qualities in terms of tawazu Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, the one hadith sharif which we have heard many many times but we need to keep reflecting upon it that man tawada'a lillah the one who humbles himself lillah for Allah ta'ala solely for the pleasure of Allah ta'ala and to earn the reward of the akhirat man tawada'a lillah rafahu Allah Allah ta'ala will elevate him so this aspect of Tawadu and the aspect of Isar So the one ayat of the Qur'an Sharif where Allah Ta'ala praises the Ansar that it was this Isar that brought them this praise in the Qur'an Sharif which will now be endorsed as the special quality of the Ansar till Qiyamah this will be their glittering achievement that na ala anfusihim. وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ وَالَّذِينَ Wal وَالْإِيمَانَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ يُحِبُّونَ مَنْ هَاجَرَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَا يَجِدُونَ فِي مِمَّا Allah speaks about the Ansar. That those who had already been, had accepted this Iman, they were already in Madina Munawara. They loved those who have made Hijra towards them and وَيُؤْسِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أنفرسهم. They give others preference over themselves. wala kana bihim khasasa. even though themselves they may be suffering poverty. Now this is that isar. Despite being in need, one is giving preference to somebody else. So Allah Taala is praising this quality of theirs in the Quran Sharif. So this isar, there are various other virtues of this. So if this isar and this tawazu is present. Then, on the one hand, a person would not make wrong claims. And if he made a claim by mistake and then realized his wrong, this tawazu will immediately make him acknowledge his wrong, will make him retract whatever claim he had made, will make him apologize for what he might have done out of line. All this will happen if this tawazu is present. And if tawazu is missing, then Takabbur will take its place because there is no vacuum and this takabur will make him stay firm on what he has said, even though he realizes that this was my mistake, it will not allow him to ever retract the wrong statement he made, or to humble himself and apologize to somebody, that takabur will not bow down to anyone. Not that we should bow down to anyone in the sense of ibadat, obviously, but never will takabur allow <clears throat> the person to humble himself in front of anyone and to retract his mistake will be a very big thing for him because this will be now lowering himself in his sight, his understanding. In that wrong, thinking of his, this will be lowering himself. So this will now prevent him from ever even acknowledging what he has now been (coughs) clearly understood, that this was my wrong. So these are the two things that need to be borne in mind very, very strongly and this will guide a person forward. As discussed, that these are some, just some of the guidelines that will inshallah help us to ensure that we don't become the means of a dispute. Or as far as possible, this will help us from getting dragged into a dispute also. Then the other very important aspect is that from time to time situations come up, issues come up, Allah tada, keep us But this is dunya, sometimes things come up, a person is being pulled into a situation, there's some claim being made against him, or he believes that somebody has wronged him and he wants to make a claim, as mentioned that if he is confident or rather he is convinced that this is something that is his right, he's entitled to claim it, but there is always that possibility that he has earned. He is thinking that this is his. He is thinking he is entitled to it. But there is a possibility that his judgment in the matter is not right. He might be mistaken somewhere. So what is the procedure? The procedure is that obviously that this matter will now be taken to a qazi in a country where there is no qaza, there is no Islamic rule. So though the courts are in place, but the person should be aspiring to resolve that issue in the manner that it conforms to the Quran and Sunnah. So obviously, taking a matter to the Kufar court for a judgment in something which will involve a shari'i issue, where there is a right based on a shari'i issue, then that's not going to be expected out of a court where a judge is going to be passing laws according to the system of the land, which don't conform to Shariat. So, just as an example, now somebody is claiming that this is my right. Why is it my right? Because this was something that was stated in the will of my deceased father, that this is what will be given to me. So, this was a bequest made on my behalf, in that will, there's it in black and white. And according to the law of the land, whatever is in the will that is what will be done. So therefore, this is my right. So the person is making the claim on that basis. Obviously, if this matter goes to the Kufar courts, the judge is going to say, Well, this is in the will, and therefore this person is entitled to it, and it will be handed over to him. But is that something that he is entitled to really? According to the Sharia. La That there can be no bequest for a person who would be an automatic heir in that estate. So, for example, a son, a daughter, a spouse, the parents, these are all automatic heirs. Meaning, if a person didn't leave a will behind, he left a will behind, he wrote anything in that will, he wrote that none of these heirs must get anything and all whatever I own must be given to somebody, whoever else. All that will not be worth the paper it's written on. In terms of Shariat and Deen, the automatic heirs will be entitled to what they share, has been stipulated in the Qur'an Sharif. And at the same time, Nabi Islam says, "La There is no bequest valid for an automatic heir. Those for whom the Qur'an Sharif has stipulated a portion in the estate. Like a person passes away, then his wife will inherit one eighth. This is stipulated in the Quran Sharif. If the wife passed away, the husband will get a quarter. Obviously, if there's children in the marriage, it might, will be different. If there's no children, it'll be, uh, half. If there's children, there'll be quarter, etc. In any case, there are stipulated portions in the Quran Sharif. These are known as automatic heirs. So generally, it's the children, parents, spouse. This is the immediate ring. If there's no children, etc., then others come into the picture. So the automatic is there can be no bequest made for them. So now a person he made a bequest that this car of mine will be given to that son, and this property will be given to that daughter. These bequests are not valid. That will form part of the estate of the pool and will be distributed according to the portions mentioned out in the Quran Sharif. Now a person that will was made unislamically. Now he is taking that to the kuffar courts. It's obvious what the judgment is going to be. But a person eating something wrongfully on the basis of these laws of the land is eating haram. So this is the thing that now a person, he believes or he thinks. One is a very clear cut thing. Maybe this person didn't know the masla. Perhaps he didn't know it. So in any case, if he didn't know it also, where is he going to get the right answer? Is he going to get the right answer in the kuffar court? No, he's not going to get the right answer in the kuffar court. He will have to now take it to where he will get an answer in accordance to the Quran and Sunnah. And that is the aspect that we need to bear in mind for today. That he needs to take it to competent ulama, to muftis who can now look into that matter and tell him that whether his right is valid, his claim is valid or not. And this is something that extremely important It's a fundamental issue in the Qur'an Sharif. Allah Ta'ala has sounded warnings for those who choose not to go to take their matters to be judged according to the Qur'an and Sunnah. It was this Jew Ka'ab bin Ashraf, Yahudi. So the munafiqeen, when there would be some issue, so some would, now if they got an issue with some Muslim, that person is also pretending to be a Muslim, he's a munafiq. So now the Muslim would say, well, there's a dispute now, so let's take it to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This Jew would say, no, no, let's take it to Ka'ab bin Ashraf, who was the head of the Yahud. Why? Because he doesn't want this judgment according to the law of Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So now this is an extension of that, that a person chooses not to go to somebody who can tell him what is the law according to the Shariat, what is the ruling according to the Shariat in this issue, and despite not knowing better, he is insisting on taking it directly to the Kufar court. So this is, falls under the ambit of this ayat of the Quran Sharif. That he knows that he should be taking the step first, first finding out what is the Sharia ruling in this. Am I entitled to this? Or take it to an arbitrator who will arbitrate on the basis of Quran and Sunnah, who is knowledgeable enough, and who will arbitrate it on the basis of Quran and Sunnah. He chooses to take it directly to the Kufar court based on something written on some paper, despite that what is written there is completely wrong. This falls under the ambit of this ayat. Yes, a person has, for example, got the matter arbitrated in an informal way, or whatever the case is, and it has become clear that his right is valid, his claim is valid, this is his right, he is entitled to it. But obviously, that arbitrator has got no power to enforce that. If it was done in an informal manner, that person who was jointly appointed to arbitrate it, has got no power to enforce that Judgment that this person is entitled to it. This is his claim is valid, he is entitled to it. So now what he has reliably been given the judgment in light of the Quran and Sunnah, that he is entitled to it. And if there is no other recourse to receive that right, and he is not in a position to overlook it, whatever it is, this is again on the level of what is the person's right to do. What is the better thing to do? And that has already been discussed. That wala man wa in lamin umur. But in any case, this is his right. That if he wishes now to gain his rights, what is already established to be his right in the light of Quran and Sunnah. If he now takes the assistance of some court to take only that which is his shari' rights, then that is within his capacity and his within his right to do so. But if he makes any claim that is not valid according to the Quran and Sunnah, based on the law of the Kufar land, then that will be totally haram and that will be forbidden. So this is that very important aspect, that there is some issue, some dispute. Many a times, the person genuinely believes within himself that he is right. He is not making a false claim deliberately. But does he know that he is really right or he's guessing his right? He believes that this is something that he is entitled to, but is that the reality? So in order to ascertain that reality, that whether he is really entitled to it or not, this should be the procedure always. The procedure that it is first taken to competent, experienced e Kiram, e Kiram, and the matter be put to them that this is the issue. And what is very important in this regard, one is now for example, this is going, being taken up by both parties in a formal manner, that is the ideal situation, sometimes one party is not cooperative, one party is not cooperative in wanting to go and get this matter resolved by some competent alim, so now one of the two parties is not cooperating, so the other party now, he sends up a question, And then the answer comes, and on the base of the answer, now if the answer came in his favor, so now that is it for him, but the very crucial aspect in this is, that what was in the question? Did the question put forward the reality from both sides, whatever the aspects are, or it only put what I thought the situation was? So what is very important in this regard is, that a person then drafts out the question according to what he genuinely believes is correct and then gives the other party the opportunity that this is what I am submitting as a question, you may add your version to it. If you are not in agreement with something I have stated here, you can put your side of the story. And then both parties simultaneously send that questionnaire and the answer that comes, both commit themselves to abide by that, that too will resolve the dispute. And this is something the Quran Sharif has commanded us to do, that we always make Allah and His Rasul, Sallallahu the arbiter in our matters. فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ. Allah Ta'ala says to Nabi Sallallahu that they are not believers until they make you the arbiter in their matters. Nabi Sallallahu while he was present, he was personally the arbiter now that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has left this dunya ever since the arbiter is the Quran and Sunnah and those who are knowledgeable of the Quran and Sunnah and the fiqh that has been derived from the Quran and Sunnah so now this will be taken to them and being taken to them this is now making Allah and his Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the arbiter because this is being judged on their law so this is that very crucial thing that a person doesn't now rely on his own understanding of things because the most important aspect is that he doesn't want to do something that's wrong it starts off from the first point that was discussed the fear of Allah Ta'ala the fear of Allah Ta'ala is there so more concerned than making the claim he will be more concerned than that is that I must not overstep the mark in any way I must not be taking something that belongs to somebody else I'm not holding back something that is not mine that will be his biggest concern. So, If he wants to keep his right, he is totally entitled to it, but he will first then make sure that definitely it is his right. And he will therefore find out, from those who have the knowledge of Deen, that this is the position, this is the situation, what is correct here, what is my entitlement. Then if they have advised him, in the light of the entire picture, that yes, you are entitled to this, by all means, that it is his rights. So, this is the very important aspect of making the Quran and Sunnah the arbiter in all matters. So, starting off again from the first point that we discussed, was the aspect of the fear of Allah wa ta'ala. And from that stems the sense of justice. If a person has the sense of justice in the light of those incidents that we discussed, then a person will not overstep the mark. And then together with that was the aspect of this, aspect of tawazu, And And then comes the aspect of the judgment always being sought in the light of Quran and Sunnah and that will come from the people who have that knowledge, who are competent in that regard and that is we take it to the competent ulama kiram experienced people who have the in-depth knowledge and have experience in dealing with these matters. And we ask them to give the judgment and the ruling in the light of what is, what is the Sharia ruling in the matter, the light of Sharia. So then inshallah, a person will be saved from having overstepped the mark. There are many instances, many instances where a person was sure that something was his, meaning he was entitled to that particular aspect. And he was thinking he was right, meaning that this was something his entitlement even in Sharia. But that was based on his misunderstanding. When the matter was then presented to the ulama ikram, then only he realized that I was far off the mark. But why was he then insisting? Because in his mind, he read up something somewhere and unfortunately nowadays people are reading so many things. But where is it coming from? What is the reality? Who is the person writing? And how much of an expert he is in the matter? Is he reliable? We have no idea. We stick to those whose credentials we are aware of. Who have been endorsed by the senior ulama of the time, who we are aware of. That these are reliable people, and these people have endorsed so and so. And the person, his credentials are known to us. So such a person is a person we refer to. We don't go to faceless people, we don't know who the person is, we don't know what his credentials are, because something seems very very... Glossy, there's a lot of quotations in there, everything should be fine. In that way we are then going to be heading to disaster. So, these are some of the guidelines. As mentioned that there are many, many things, but if a person sticks to these few things also, these few things also will help him stay on the path of deen. In this last aspect, one is now, there's a, already something major, then he takes it in a formal manner, to arbitrate. But what is the very important thing that even if he has some doubt regarding some matter, that he doesn't just go by guesswork, he checks with the Alam alaikum. And what is the very important thing that will happen in this? That his own emotions will not then come in the way to influence how he's thinking, what he's doing. Otherwise, especially when sometimes when there's a matter involving big figures, or there's a matter involving some sentiments, or it's a matter which involves people that might be close to us, then the emotions start playing a very big role in the whole thing, and now a person is getting swayed by emotion, So instead of now looking at the matter without any impartial, without being impartial in any way, being without being biased in any way, being completely impartial in the matter, he is now getting swayed by his emotion. So in order to save himself from making a decision, or making a judgment, making a call, making a claim based on what his emotions are driving him to, what his sentiments are driving him to, the safest route is to hand that decision in the hand of somebody else. Meaning, should I do this, or shouldn't I do this? Should I even make this claim or don't make it? Should I take this step or don't take this step? Meaning on a mashwara basis, not necessarily that this has now come to a point of a dispute level, but whether he should do something or not, which could then sometimes, if he's making his own judgment in the matter, that could make him overstep the mark somewhere, because of his emotions. So to now take mashwara from somebody who he has confidence in, and let that decision lie in the hands of that third party. Should I take this step or don't take this step? Should I even make this claim or don't make this claim? So that he is not swayed by emotions either side. And this is something very significant in this last ayat which we didn't get the chance to deal with, but nevertheless, just to go through this translation of it, Allah Ta'ala says to us, after all these ayat that were before it which we discussed on the first day, that, Ya da'udu inna ja'alna ka khalifatan fil O oh David, we have appointed you the vicegerent on the earth, or vicegerent on earth. So now, fakum biin and nasi Allah Taala is addressing Dawud salam, but this is in the Quran Sharif, then addressed by extension to every single person on earth, every mu'min, that, on whatever level, he has to make some call, some judgment, whether it is between his two children, whether it is between somebody in the house, whatever it might be. So Allah tala says, فَحْكُمْ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِالْحَقِّ The judge between people based on haqq and truth. Not based on emotion. Not based on sentiments. Not based on what is the wrong understanding of things. Based on haqq and haqq one will understand from those who know haqq. So he will then check first. If he is not a person of knowledge, he will first check what is the haqq in this regard. And then Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَا تَتَّبِعِ hawa." Don't follow your desire. The alayhi wa was a nabi of Allah ta'ala. There was no question of a nabi of Allah ta'ala following his desire. The anbiya alayhi wa wasalam are ma'asoom. This is through the anbiya by addressing them this is the lesson for the ummad. Allah Taala says "Wala hawa. Don't follow your desires. This is the other aspect that a person has to always be in mind. In the hadith sharif, Nabi sallam says that la yu'minu ahadukum hatta يَكُونَ هَوَاهُ اَوْ <بِه> oh, A person is not a believer until his desires are made subservient to that which I have brought. The Quran and Sunnah. In other words, he is desiring something. He is first now checking, finding out is this within the limits of Quran and Sunnah? And if not, then this desire has to be trampled. It has to be discarded. So Allah Taala is saying, "Walaat tabi'il Hawa." Don't follow your desire. Otherwise, what will happen for you? Dil an sabirillah. This following of that desire will deviate you from the path of Allah Taala. And Inna aladheena yadilluna an sabirillahi lahum a'dabul shadid. Those who deviate from the path of Allah Taala for them is a severe punishment. Why? Bima nasu yom hisab. Now this started off. discussion started off. With the consciousness of Allah wa Taala and the fear of Allah Taala, and the last part of this discussion is the last word. Allah Taala says that for these people who are deviated from the path of Allah Taala because of following their desires, what is in store for them? Azabun shadeed severe punishment. And where did this all stem from? It stems from Bima Nasu Yom Al Hisab, due to what they forgot about the day of accountability. That fear of Allah Ta'ala, this will keep a person conscious of the day of accountability. Qiyamah is coming. I can go to some court now and get a wrong judgment in my favor. I can do something else underhand. I can use somebody's influence to do something, whatever the case is. But the day of judgment is coming. And the person who forgets about the day of judgment, he uses some pressure tactics. He uses some all kinds of other things to do what he wants. And get away with it, how far? In dunya for one day, for one month, for our life. But then, after this dunya is over, our life in dunya is over, can we get away in the qabr? Can we get away on the day of qiyamah? This is what Allah Ta'ala is mentioning here. بِمَا yom al That they forgot those who deviated because of their desires, they forgot the day of qiyamah. They forgot the accountability of the akhirat. As a result, Deviated themselves and this is now their end result. Allah Ta'ala save us from such a situation and keep us forever on the haq, and on the truth.